This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Kate Andrews. Now, Kate, I think the big lunchtime story today has been the Bank of England raising interest rates from 4.25% to 4.5%, which is the highest rate since 2008. Talk us through the thinking on this and where the bank sees inflation going. So as you say, James, we've seen the 12th consecutive rate raise in a row, uh, voted uh, 7 to 2 by the Monetary Policy Committee. And the bank was pretty straightforward about this. It said at the start of its write-up that inflation is still too high. Um, Pretty obvious information, I think, for anybody listening to this podcast. But also the bank noted that it continues to be worried about wage increases and and, and across the board. Um, This is something that the governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, has mentioned several times the fact that he fears a wage spiral and how that might uh, make inflation worse. Now, this is a questionable assertion. It's something a lot of people disagree with, but we are where we are. The bank um, decided to raise rates again. But as I say on Coffee House, I think this was inevitable after we saw the Federal Reserve hike rates again last week. Uh, the rate of inflation in the States is roughly half of what it is in the UK. They're in a much better position than we are in the UK, but still well above that 2% inflation target that both the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England have. So when the Fed was raising rates with much less of a problem on its hands, arguably, it, it seemed inevitable that the Bank of England was going to do so as well. Um, but as I know, I think the real story isn't so much the rate raise, which was widely expected by markets, um, but some of the other forecasts we got from the bank today. So they've updated um, their inflation forecast, and actually they've revised it upwards. By the end of the year, December 2023, they think inflation, the rate of inflation will still be around 5%, whereas back in February, they thought it would be under 4%. This is a problem for consumers, but it's also a problem for a government that made one of its five pledges to have the rate of inflation, something that they could never control and is looking slightly more dubious by the day. I mean, to be very clear, the consensus is that inflation is going to fall rapidly this year. But, you know, the bank has, has made very clear that the risks are skewed to the upside and that there could be other factors this year that mean inflation don't fall as quickly as people originally predicted. Um, I suppose if there's any optimistic news is that the bank is formally no longer forecasting recession. Um, they think there's going to be essentially zero growth this year. That's not great news. Um, but they've revised it well upwards from the contraction that they were expecting. Um, and, and so, you know, that will give people a bit of a sigh of relief. Um, But, you know, overall, still a pretty negative news story for 2023. Of course, we can expect these forecasts to change as things change over the coming months. But, you know, it's it's a real reminder that um, the economy isn't doing as badly as people once forecast it would do. But we are by no means on the other side of this yet. And Katie, what does higher than expected inflation mean politically for Rishi Sunak? The rates rise, as Kate has said, is about trying to control inflation. Yet, the problem is that this will uh, potentially add to the increase in mortgage rates, um, so more pain already in that sector. And we know there are concerns at the moment that lots of people, particularly those in variable rates, but also uh, those who've had to renew their mortgage fixed terms in the past you know, six months and more, are now really feeling the squeeze. Now, lots of people feel the cost of living squeeze, but I think it's just an added factor. And... Um, 
lots of people are not yet affected by it. But if you think about those groups which are having to pay, you know, hundreds and hundreds more than they expected, it just is adding to a sense of people feeling pretty hard done by and adding to how scratchy things are at the moment. So that's one element. And then, of course, Rishi Sunak has made his priority to bring down inflation. Now, I think it's still the case, even though recently um, there's not been going as fast as I think the Treasury tracker, which uh, worries some, that they expect to be significantly lower by the end of the year. But at what point does that then feed into thing, um, to the point that people start to feel better? So I think it still shows, you know, we're, we're still in a place where there is um, some way to go before you get anywhere near the better economic ground, which the Tories need to be on to have a chance of turning things around. Okay, I've seen this afternoon that the Liberal Democrats have put out a press release attacking Jeremy Hunt by name three times for uh, about the consequences of inflation. We've discussed on this podcast before about the Bank of England's handling of this. I mean, how have they reacted in recent months? Because there was some criticism back in September about the um, the, the rates rise. Um, how do you think the political fallout is going to fall on this? Uh, well, a few things there. Uh, the Bank of England, particularly its governor, Andrew Bailey, have never admitted to the full cause of inflation. So he talks very openly about the implications of lockdown and what happened to supply chains. He talks about Russia's illegal war against Ukraine. But what he doesn't like to mention is the money supply. The fact that more money printing happened in the first year of the pandemic than it did in the 10 years leading up to the pandemic. He doesn't like to talk about that fact, and, and he still doesn't. The bank have never taken real ownership of everything that has caused inflation. Moreover, they were so slow to react. And I mean, this is a bit of an old news story now. I think it's widely accepted that um, the bank was in real denial, as were lots of other central banks around the world, um, that we were going to see the price rises that we did. If we go back to summertime 2021, the bank was still insisting that this was all transitory. Um, they were still sort of suggesting that when inflation was double the target. Uh, and that's meant that we've had to play catch up. We've been um, we've been seeing rates go up, which, as Katie points out, you know, is is really problematic if you have debt or a mortgage or anything like that. Um, and they've been chasing inflation, and 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 we have failed to catch up with it because inflation, the current figure in the year leading up to March, is still in double digits at ten point one percent. The difficulty, of course, is that the government decided that it was going to own inflation. Now, inflation is one of the few things that the government really isn't primarily responsible for. It doesn't have the tools to tackle it. Those sit with the Bank of England. Those are interest rates. And yet, because all the forecasts said inflation was going to fall rapidly in 2023, Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt made it one of the government's five pledges. And Jeremy Hunt even did a video with coffee cups and, you know, basically decided to own inflation. It's not terribly surprising at that point, even though I, I don't think that was... Um, ever in his gift to offer, uh, that other political parties would capitalize that and say, well, you've owned this, so why isn't the rate falling? Um, you know, it's, it's very much an own goal on the part of the government. It's one thing to say, you know, we are, we are optimistic and preparing for the rate of inflation to come down. It's quite another to say that the government is going to make that happen. They saw a trend, they wanted to capitalize on it politically, but of course the danger of that is when things don't move as quickly as you would like, which frankly I think is exactly what's happening now, you then have to take responsibility for one of the few things that really wasn't your fault to begin with. And talking of uh, political rows there, Katie, there was a big one this morning in the House of Commons over the uh, scrapping of the sunset clause on thousands of EU regulations. Uh, talk us through this. It involves uh, Kemi Badenoch, the Trade Secretary. So, so this is a row that's ongoing today, but really started yesterday when there was a written ministerial statement from Kemi Badenoch, um, ultimately saying that it comes to the EU regulation bill, which has been 
I think had a pretty testing time, um, <laughs> not just the multiple ministers who've been in charge of it, but it has proved to be very complicated in terms of um, allowing the initial plan, which was to allow thousands of EU-era laws to expire by the end of 2023 on the sunset clause. Now, there have been some previous ministers who argued of delaying the sunset clause. What Kemi Badenoch has said she's going to do is um, they're axing at 600 um, when it comes to um, EU laws, and they are scrapping the plan of having a sunset clause. But they're saying this is because it was... It was encouraging the wrong way of looking at things, and therefore they will still be looking at um, getting rid of further EU regulation, but they will do this on their own timetable as opposed to having this this deadline, the self-imposed deadline. And this is partly, I think, because just the process of going through all these EU laws to work out what is a problem if you lose it and whatnot was proving to be such a lengthy period of time. It's now been ditched. Now, this has upset... Tory Brexiteers, not all Tory Brexiteers, because of course Kemi Badenoch is also a Tory Brexiteer, as is Rishi Sunak. But you have had a small group, I think 15, 16, went to meet the chief whip last night, Simon Hart, um, to effectively say they're unhappy about this, their concerns. I think a little bit of this is actually due to a lack of communication um, from um, the business department, which Kemi Badenoch leads, whereby you heard it from Bill Cash today, the fact that she has not appeared at his committee. Um, so I think some of this was a feeling of being a bit shut out which then breeds paranoia um, about what, what's really going on um, and there was a conversation had I think the government plans to press on with this plan the, the, the real question really is when the legislation returns which we don't expect to be for you know some time will the Tory Brexiteers try and amend the legislation to bring back a sunset clause or, you know, some kind of mechanism to, to get more, more of the way. Now, they've asked number 10 not to, you know, ditch the plan. I think the plan seems pretty set, generally at least, so of course things can be slightly tweaked. And it's more about trying to explain the method. But could you have a Tory rebellion? And if you did, would it be significant? I think the big question after the Windsor framework, which is how much of a force these days is the ERG? Mm. Is it, uh, you know, if you go back to the uh, 2017 uh, Parliament under Theresa May, is it this force that decides and breaks premierships, um, you know, that can ultimately um, stop deals and and keep the whole country on tenterhooks, partly because it was a hung parliament? Or is it now the case that they actually have a, a lot less input and speaking to quite a few brexiteers in terms of red wall seats there are some people who feel really strongly in this service if we are going to have a fight about something internally how many of my constituents are really thinking about rule <laughs> 1004 on so you know in terms of is that the thing that's on the doorstep going to be the brexit success i think there's some skepticism so i think the question is does it, after tricky local election results, poison the mood of the party? Or is this something you can brush through quite quickly? Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Kate. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.